Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Good, everybody good today? All right, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, but don't, don't woohoo me, don't woohoo me. Do this, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Now turn to your other neighbor that maybe you're less excited about because you chose them second and say, I'm glad you're here too. I saved the best for last. Hey, we are glad that you're here. You've heard a bunch of stuff. We've worshiped together. You've been greeted a bunch. Hopefully you'll be greeted a bunch more before you leave. But we really are glad that you are here anytime that you come to be with us at Canton Church. You know, you heard Pastor Trevor talk about it a minute ago and make fun of our winter tans that are coming for those that went to the fall break to the beach or the cruise or whatever it is that you did. But, uh, you know, because of September, like the September calendar here in our community is a little weird. Uh, You got Labor Day weekend, the first part of the month, and then you have like a normal kind of weekend, and then you have two weekends that are impacted by school fall breaks. That doesn't affect everybody, obviously. If you don't have kids in school, maybe that doesn't affect you, but we have two weekends affected by the school calendar for fall break. And so I kind of feel like this week, it's the first normal Sunday, normal week that we've had in a little while, and I feel like it starts this string of normal Sundays in a row, which I'm really excited about. But don't mistake the idea that it's normal for the fact that it might be ordinary because you just heard a little bit about at the movies i'm excited about what the month of october is going to hold for us as a church and let me just say quickly and i've said it a couple of times in different ways but let me just say quickly that this series is not because we're trying to be trendy or cool or, or fun or whatever we all of those things we want to be fun we want to have a lot of stuff in the lobby and and create a really fun great experience for you but we do this as an easy hook for you to invite friends and family to come be with you at canton church during the month of october each month we'll use a different movie from hollywood would to help us tell the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus Christ. Well, interestingly, Jesus did the same thing. Now, he didn't use Hollywood. I don't know that it existed the way it exists now, but he used these stories, these parables to illuminate truth, larger truths that he wanted them to apply in their lives. And we're going to do the same thing over these next four weeks. It's going to be creative. I'm excited about it. We've already kind of put all this content together, and I'm excited for you to see it and experience it. But I want you right now, take the next 15, 20 seconds and think about, Lord, who is it that you would have me invite this week and in the coming weeks to be with me at Canton Church for at the movies. And make sure that as you pray, like when God opens a door, you step right through it and invite them to come and to be with you for at the movies. It's going to be a really, really powerful, powerful month. So I hope that you will be with us. Today, we conclude ABC's of Financial Freedom. And these three weeks, we've really been talking about what does God's word say to us about the area of finances. And if you've been with us for the whole series, or maybe you haven't been with us at all, I would encourage you, go back, listen to the podcast for one or both of these weeks previous to today, and just catch up with where we've been and what we've been looking at. The first week, we talked about the A, which is our attitude. Do we have the right attitude related to God and money? It's the wrong attitude and the wrong thinking about money and God that get us to a place where our present financial picture cannot really be adjusted to live in the way that God intended us to live related to the area of finance. Last week, we talked about one of those things that inhibits us in that way. We talked about the B, and we talked about the bondage of debt. We talked about how so many of us are bound up in the bondage of debt. And so today, we look at the C, and we talk about the idea of choice. And I said each week, and I will say again today, for those that may not have been here or those that don't know me very well, this is not a series that we're doing because we want something from you. This is a series that we're doing because we want something for you. 
We believe that God's word speaks to the area of finances and how God wants us to manage that and steward that. And so we want you to live in the richest blessings of God, but to live in full obedience to God's word related to this subject matter. And so you can go back and listen to week one of this series where I talk very specifically about the church finances, our budget, how we spend money, what those numbers are. We talk about a lot of specifics there. You can go back and listen to that on our website and and follow along there with the podcast. But today we all have a choice And that choice, like any choice in life, means we have to choose between multiple options. There are a lot of different ways that you can manage your money. You have that choice. Just like today at the end of our service, you get to choose what you're going to eat for lunch, right? Some of us, we're going to go home. Someone cooked. Someone left the crock pot running and we're eating leftovers from last night or whatever before the game kicks off or before we take our Sunday afternoon nap or whatever it is that you do. So you have that choice or you can go to a restaurant and sit down. And you can choose to sit there and someone waits on you. And when you get done, they clean it up. And so that's the choice that you've made today because you don't want to clean it up at your house. And then you have the other choice of driving through a drive through and picking up food and eating it in the car on the way to a sports game or to an event or to a friend's house or to the mountains or to the lake or whatever. You have that choice. Well, anytime we have a choice, we can choose between multiple options. We have that same opportunity related to finances. And when we talk about these choices... There are a variety of things that we've talked about through this series that are important to us, but we really base all of this on God's word. Now, this series did come kind of inspirationally from a book by the same name, ABCs of Financial Freedom, and what we did is we created a life group. If something you've heard during this series or something that you hear today, you say, hey, I just want to take another step and figure out how to use these choices that I have to make better choices and honor God in a better way, then we would encourage you to sign up for a life group that begins in two weeks from right now two weeks. It meets here at the church on Tuesday nights. You can come be a part of that. If you sign up, we're going to give you the book for free. We're asking you to pay five bucks for a workbook and just help you walk through how to manage money God's way, make some hard decisions or help illuminate some things that you may need to think about. Because when it comes to finances, we all have choices. But today what I want to focus on is the one choice, the one question that I think is vitally important to this conversation. As we've talked about our attitude, we've talked about the bondage of debt, we come to this place of choice, and here is the question. Do I have a plan for generosity? Do I have a plan for generosity? When we think about our lives, we think about all these different plans that rule our lives. I've got some friends, when they go on vacation, their vacation is governed by a three-ring binder. When they leave their house, on page one of the three-ring binder, it tells them at what point, how many miles down the road, at which gas station or restaurant or place of business they're going to stop to use the restroom. All right? If construction or a wreck or an act of God slows your car down, and you've got to use the restroom before the three-ring binder says so, you're just out of luck. You're just out of luck because it's not in the plan. And then the three-ring binder says that after you stop for the restroom there, you're going to eat at this restaurant, and then at a predetermined period of time after that, everyone's going to hold it until we go to the restroom here. After that restaurant stop so that we eventually get to the place where we're staying or the destination that we're going to because that is the plan. Well, I'm not that planned out in my life. I like a plan. I like structure, but that makes me sweat a little bit, and so I'm not that planned out. But if you think about your life, many of us, we have plans in other areas of our lives. If you're a business leader, maybe you have a business plan. Depending on where you're at in the process of your business and the timeline and the life cycle of your business, maybe you have a succession plan that you're working on. If you're a college student, you're working on a plan to get a degree, 
right? And so the idea is that you have a plan of which courses you have to take in which order so that you can get to the place where they say your name and hand you a diploma. It's a plan. If you're newly married, maybe you have a plan to buy a house or to start a family, and so you've got a plan that you're trying to work to make sure that your life is working according to the plan that you'd like it to. If you're a new mom, you're trying that plan to figure out how to get your child to sleep and to eat when you want them to as best you can or to accommodate their schedule and their their ideas of how, how to manage their time. You're working on that plan. If you're a new dad, let's be honest, there's no plan for you. You're just kind of surviving right now, right? They just find you curled up at the bottom of the pantry, just trying to steal a few minutes of sleep every now and then. But, but you know, you're trying to work a plan. If you're, if you're a young family, maybe you're planning on where your kids are going to go to school, daycare, preschool. You're, you're determining all kinds. You're trying to work that plan. If you're that over 50s crowd, maybe you're planning for retirement. Maybe you've already been doing that, hopefully so, but you're planning for retirement, when that is, how many more years, how much money do I need, what do I need to make sure I set up, and you're planning for that. If you're kind of grandparents in the room, maybe you're planning to leave a legacy in some way for your children and your grandchildren. There are plans in every area of our lives, and hopefully we're living by those plans, but the question remains, what is your plan for generosity? What is your plan for generosity? Now, in a room like this, in a place like this, because I know so many of you, if I were to ask that question or ask it in this way, are you generous? I think so many of us in the room would say, yeah, I'm generous. I think almost all of us, even those that would say, no, I don't think I'm generous right now, we would say, I want to be generous. But but we can't just hope. It's been said that hope is not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. We can hope all we want to, but if we don't do anything with that hope and structure our lives and adjust our lifestyle and adjust our spending habits or our saving habits, we we can't just hope and make that our strategy. So what is my plan for generosity? Well, interestingly, the Apostle Paul speaks about this in the New Testament, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about generosity and how to live generous lives and what that looks like and what we should be doing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6, says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will, be, you will abound in every good work. Skipping to verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And there's so many things about a passage of scripture like this that I would love to unpack. That's not necessarily where we're going to spend all of our time together today. But there's several things that I think are important. It's the principle here of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Now, that line of thought and and that specific idea within scripture has definitely been used in other contexts. And I would admit today that there are those who have used that phrase or used that idea or that principle. And they've misused that and they've tried to get you to believe something that I don't know might be biblical. But the idea here is that I do believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. All you have to do is look to farmers. If you do not sow seed, you cannot expect to reap a harvest. And so many of us desire to reap something in one season that we did not sow in a previous season. It's impossible. Remember, hope is not a strategy. We can't just walk out to the field and hope to reap a harvest 
if we have not sown seed in a previous season in order that we may reap in this current season. Sowing and reaping is real. And so we have to sow in order to reap. What are we sowing with our lives? What are we sowing with our generosity? The idea here is that not just what we do, but how we do it matters. What Paul said is that, yes, it's sowing and reaping, but if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Not just what you do, but how you do it matters. If I sow generously, then I can expect to reap generously. But if I sow sparingly, then I will also reap sparingly. What I do matters, but how I do it matters just as much. The other part that I love out of this passage is found there when we skipped to verse 10. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower. What we talked about the very first week is that our attitude about money shapes so much of how we you spend our money and manage our money because we have to come to the place where we believe that God is our provider. God is our provider, not just my hard work, not my work ethic, not my, my good management skills, not my conservative way that I save or that I don't spend. That is not what is your provider. Even if you get the paycheck in your home or you're one of the paychecks in your you are not ultimately your provider because what we believe is that God is our provider. Even this idea here is unpacked to say, if you're going to sow, you've got to recognize that you didn't make the seed the seed was provided to you in order that you could choose to sow it. And not only that, but as you choose to sow the seed that was provided for you, he also accounts for the bread that you'll need to eat. So he provides the bread, he provides the food that you would need in this season, and at the same time, he provides the seed that you could sow so that you could reap what you need in the next season. He is our provider. And if we see him in that light, it changes everything about the way that we view God, view money, and then handle money with our lives. And so what is your plan for generosity? So what I want to do today is I just want to look at a few things to help us develop a generosity plan, to help us develop a generosity plan. The first is this. We must decide to intentionally share our resources. We must decide to intentionally share our resources. Verse 7 of what we read before says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It's a predetermined thought that I know I've decided what I'm going to give in advance of what I actually give. Now, I have been known to be compelled by emotional asks for money. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me. But if you present me a need at the same time you show me a picture of a kid crying on the screen, I'm just like, take my wallet. Everything in it, you can have it. Take the cards, try them. I mean, just whatever you got to do, it's yours. I'm done. I don't cry a lot, but I cry every time I, I, they show me kids on Extreme Home Makeover. I cry every time Oprah would give those kids a new house or a new car or a mattress that they did. Like, I, I'm, I, if you give me a reason to tap into the emotions, like, I'm done for just, there you go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe there are moments where we should be emotionally connected to the ask. And in that moment, we say, yeah, God, I want to give here. I want to do something here. I want to meet this need. But I also believe that there is the reason, there is the idea that we would intentionally decide beforehand how we're going to give and what we're going to give. We have to be intentional about our finances. And it comes really out of what we've talked about these last two weeks. 
If I view God as my provider, if my attitude about money is that God is my provider, and it's not that God is asking me to give him something, but instead God is asking me to give back to him a portion of what he's given to me already, it changes the way that I view money. If I think that I have in my hands what I have provided for myself and God wants to take some of that from me, it changes my attitude and my demeanor rather than me thinking, God, thank you for blessing me with everything I possess in my hands. And now out of that blessing, I want to be obedient and respond out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness and give you a portion back. And thank you for allowing me to keep the rest of it to meet my other needs and to do the things that I want to do. That's my attitude. And so I've decided I'm going to honor God in very specific and intentional ways. But I recognize that some of us, what we talked about last week, are so bound up with debt that we can't give and we can't decide to, be, to give as much as we want in our heart, not because we're stingy, but because we're strapped. We, we want to give more, but we can't give more right now, not because we're stingy, but because we're strapped. Debt has bound us up and causes us not to be able to do what we want to do in our hearts. And so we have to decide now, God, I want to make some different decisions I want to get out of debt. Maybe the first decision that I need to make is I need to jump into this life group and I need to get some help with my finances and I need to open God's word and really understand what it says about how I should respond. I need to get in relationships and in community with other people in this life group or in other places in my life and really talk about how to do this better. That's what I need to decide. Give what we have decided in our hearts to give. So what have I decided Ahead of time, we have to make a choice. We have to decide how we want to live our lives financially. And again, I recognize so many of us in this room, we, we want to be generous. We might even say that we are generous. But what have we decided to do? We have to intentionally decide to share our resources. The second thing in this plan for generosity is we have to become a percentage giver. We can't just be the person that responds only when we are compelled to do so. If we've made a decision, then we want to become what we call percentage givers. In every area of your personal finance, you give a portion of your percentage, a portion of the whole, to some of those specific areas of your life. Depending on the resources that you've read or some of the other things as I've studied and prepared, maybe you have a 25 or 30 or 35 percent of your income allocated towards your housing. Your mortgage, your rent, your utilities, whatever. And as you're doing the math right now, you're thinking, yeah, I mean, I'm somewhere in that window, or maybe I'm a little less, praise the Lord, or maybe I'm a little more, okay, help me, Lord. And so you're trying to figure out 25, 30, 35%, give or take, to some housing or those kinds of expenses. And so that's the percentage. Maybe you give, you know, you've got about 10%, 10 to 12% allocated towards your transportation costs, whether that's your car payment or a lease payment or your gas or some of the other expenses related to how you transport yourself from point A to point B, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe when you start adding up your Target runs and your Chipotle runs and your Mexican eating out a couple times a week and Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and whichever your preference there is and, you know, some of these other things that we do, we go, okay, well, man, I'll give 5% or 8% or I, so all those percentages. Well, the problem comes when those percentages begin to increase and we don't account for that by lowering the percentages in other categories. I told you last week in the bondage message that the average American household right now is living on 106% of their take-home income. What that tells us is that the percentages have gone up in other categories, and we've not accounted for that by lowering the percentage in other categories so that we stay at living within our means. 
And I recognize that some of us were in seasons where maybe that's not, that's not the reality. Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, Chipotle. No, I'm eating, you know, Franken beans. I mean, I'm doing everything that I can, and I'm still, you know, a little bit overextended right now. And I recognize that you may be in that season. It's not because you're stingy. It's because you're strapped. But we want to make sure as much as it depends on us that we are making wise decisions. And one of the ways that we do that is by becoming a percentage giver. For me, I believe that starts with the local church. Now, let me just say right here before we unpack anything else, I recognize I'm a pastor. This might seem self-seeking. You may have seen this type of moment abused before. Hopefully, you know me. If you've attended here any length of time, you know my heart. You know who I am. I'd love to talk to you one-on-one if you don't receive this in the light that I mean it or in the manner that I mean it. But I believe that becoming a percentage giver in the context of being generous and honoring God's word starts with the local church. I love the local church, Big C Church. The reason that we celebrate that there are five brand new churches being planted today through the Association of Related Churches, which we are a missions partner with, is because I'm excited that there are people in other communities around the, the United States that are now have access to a life-giving church And I may never meet those people. They would never come into the the doors of this church because they live somewhere else in the country. Today in Moline, Illinois, there's a church called Upward Church that's having their very first worship service. And earlier this year, we partnered with them financially, Pastor Ryan Robertson. We partnered with them financially to help them buy the sound equipment that they would need to, to offer a worship service in the environment that they were doing. We celebrate that because I believe that the local church is the hope of the world It illuminates the message of the gospel and Jesus Christ to people who otherwise may not hear it. And so I believe that percentage giving starts with the local church, not just the big C local church, but I love Canton Church. I love this church. If I didn't love this church, we'd have a whole mess of problems. But I love this church. Corey and I love this place. We love this community. I've told you before, the babies that we dedicate on this stage, I want to dedicate their grandchildren at Canton Church. We love it here. We're committed here. This is where we believe God has planted us and rooted us. And so as a part of that, I want to make sure that my life is a part of investing in this local church and the ministries of this local church. So we've chosen to be percentage givers. And what that looks like for us is that we choose to start by giving 10% of our income to Canton Church. It's called the tithe. Scripture talks about it as the tithe, and that tithe, that word means one-tenth. Throughout scripture, you would see this this practice exhibited where they would give a tenth of all their increase. If they had crops come in, they would give a tenth of it away. If they accumulated or acquired new livestock, they would give a tenth of it, a tenth of that livestock away towards sacrifice or towards something else to the tabernacle, the temple, the priests. If they would accumulate currency through a job or through some other transaction, they would give away a tenth of it. And so we we say we want to start by giving a tenth of everything that we increase in back to God's storehouse, God's local house, the house of God. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Put me to the test, God says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. We try to make it as easy as possible here at Canton Church for you to be able to tithe and give. At the end of our services, somebody comes up and they say, hey, there's always four ways that you can give here. You can use the envelope provided to you in your seat back or in the seat that you're sitting in. 
You can go out to the lobby and use the kiosk if you want to use your bank card or your checking account. You can give online at cantonchurch.com slash give, or you can text 84321. All those things that they say and they display on the screen. Because we want to make it as easy as possible for you to live by this principle that we believe in that comes straight from God's word. We're not asking you to bring your cows and your chickens to the church anymore and offer them in the lobby. We're not asking you to bring the, the, the tenth of your garden necessarily here, but thank you for those that have done that. It's great corn. I love it. The salsa. I mean, I eat it all, right? You just go ahead and bring it, but that's not necessarily, we're saying, hey, as easy as we can make it for you to tithe and honor God in this principle, we want to do that. We want to do that. What Corey and I have chosen to do, the way that we give is through what's been a kind of relatively new idea through church giving. We, we set up recurring giving. We went on our website, we set it up so that on the 1st and the 15th of every month, our tithe is automatically paid to the church. It's automatically given. Because it's the 1st and 15th, it syncs up with the paychecks. It is it's the first thing that's deducted out of our account on those days when we receive our pay. It's the first thing that goes out. Like 7 a.m. or whatever time the computer processes, it goes out. It's recurring. I don't even have to think about the idea. I, I know that it's there. I pray over that every single time I sit down every twice a month to pay bills or to do the things that we're doing and obligating our finances to. But I don't even have to worry, hey, if I miss church, I, I've missed paying tithes and I've got to make it up next week. And I just set it up. It's recurring. There's some fees the church incurs. I've clicked the little box. I cover the fees because I want to make sure that we're honoring God first with the tithe. And what I believe is that God says, test me in this and see if I don't bless you until there's no more need. Not necessarily that there's no more want. Even if we tie, that doesn't mean that you're going to get the Apple Watch that you want right now. Or you're not going to get all your heart's desires or all the things that you want. You might. But I believe that God meets our needs when we honor him in this way. And I believe there's a difference in tithe and offering. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But here in our church, we're also a denominational church. We're not non-denominational. We're a denominational church. And so because of that, we support the various ministries of our denomination. And the way that that works, what we do is we pay what's called a tithe of the tithe. So when you tithe to Canton Church, 10% of your income, we take 10% of those monies designated as tithe and we send it into our denomination. That denominational covering, that relationship helps us to do missions work around the world. We talk about our local mission strategy to have a missions partner on every continent. Well, our denomination has a missions partner in 186 nations of the world currently. When the hurricanes have happened in recent weeks and months and over the last few years, we're connected through our denominational support to an organization called Operation Compassion. They're on the ground when the storm hits. They're giving out resources and water and food and helping to meet the needs of the people on the ground. We don't have to take special offerings. We're already giving to meet those needs on the ground as soon as it happens. And you say, well, I don't know about denomination. I'm not a denominational person. Then maybe you want to mark your tithe as church ministries. That means those funds stay here, 100% of it in the local church. But however you choose to give your tithe, whether it's tithe or church ministries, you're giving in accordance to the principle of God's word, that we would give a tenth of all that increases so that we would honor God and honor this principle. Now, I know this shocks you, but as a pastor, I've heard people give a variety of reasons why they don't tithe. I've never offended by that. That's between you and God. I'm not here to guilt you or to compel you to anything today. I believe that God's word stands alone. But I've had a lot of people give me reasons why they don't tithe. I want to give you a few of those reasons that I've heard. The first is, well, this is an Old Testament principle. Tithing is an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament principle. And that stands up until you get to the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. There's a guy speaking here. His name is Jesus. 
He says this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, Jesus said, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. He's operating under the basic assumption that you're already tithing, but in doing so, you are using your tithe to become self-righteous and say, well, we've given it all. We've done what we were supposed to do. We did the bare minimum. That's all we're supposed to do. He said, no, no, you're actually neglecting other large needs that are standing right in front of your face, people that need your justice and your, they need your help and they need your mercy, and you're not even doing that because you say, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do. No, 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 you should tithe, but don't miss the other opportunities right in front of your face. Tithing is not just an Old Testament principle. It's also a New Testament principle. The second thing that I've heard people say is, I don't trust the church with my money. And let me just apologize on behalf of all churches for those that have misused money. I, I, can't, I can't go back and fix that. I can't help it. All I can do here, as much as it depends on me and my responsibility to be the shepherd and the steward of this house, is to honor God and honor your gifts the very best way that we know how. We work with our staff, a team of volunteer leaders we call trustees, to set a budget and manage that budget. They get reports every other month when we meet of how we're stewarding those resources. We try to live between fact and faith, what we want to see God do, but what we've already seen God do, and we live as conservatively within that umbrella as we possibly can. But if you say to me, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't even disagree with it theologically or from the Bible, but I don't trust the church with the money. Hear my heart. Hear my heart today. I don't want anybody to leave our church, but I would rather you leave our church and go find a church that you believe you can trust so that you can begin living by this principle than for you to stay here because you like it and not be obedient to God's word. I don't want you to leave, but if you, if for whatever reason you don't believe you can trust Canton Church with the money that God has entrusted to you, then I would rather you leave and go find another church where you can trust them than for you to stay here because you're comfortable and not live by this principle. The third thing that I've heard is I can't afford to tithe. I would say you can't afford not to. I told a story in this service last week. It's on our podcast. We used the second service for the podcast last week to prove that you cannot outgive God. In my own life, any time that I have operated within what I believe God calls us to according to his word, God's blessings have rested on my life and our family and our finances. Anytime I've tried to control things and withhold things and live outside of these principles, there have been needs and wants and lack because I've tried to control it and withhold it and manage it my way and not God's way. I believe that you can't afford not to give. And I recognize, I've already said it, I recognize that some of you, your, your, your giving or maybe lack of giving or the level with which you're giving now is not because you're stingy, it's because you're strapped. You're, you're so in bondage in the debt that you have. It's not because you're being stingy. It's not because you don't want to, but you just say, I, there's nothing I can do. Again, the first step for you may be to jump into this life group. Take those first steps. Take those next steps. Make some decisions. Make some changes. And see and test God as he calls us to and see if God might not bless you as you honor him in the ways that he's asked us to do. The fourth thing is, well, Jeremy, I don't have to tithe in order to be generous. And I'm not going to argue that point with you. I'm not going to argue that point with you today. I'm going to let God work in your heart. And if you get to that place and you say, no, no, this is what I believe, then that's between you and the Lord. 
But in the few instances that I've actually sat down with people that wanted to have this conversation, and this is their point of contention, I'm not indicting you. I'm talking about these individual conversations. Their generosity was more an aspirational goal. I want to be generous. I think I am generous because I've responded to a few specific felt needs rather than a plan of generosity that they have predetermined and predecided in their heart. Yes, you can be generous, but the reality is you are not really generous if you are doing the bare minimum. Like if I were to stand up here today and say, um, I'm a generous father because I choose to feed my children dinner every night. You'd be like, no, you're not. You're like a dad, right? I'm doing the bare minimum. I'm providing what I'm supposed to do. I'm giving what I'm supposed to do. We, we eat dinner every night. It's not until you cross over the line of what is a, a, an expectation, you cross over that line into something additional that you actually become generous. If I said, I'm a generous father because we eat dinner every night and then we have ice cream. Don't get any ideas, Cooper. <laughs> right? That would be generosity. It's over and above. It's something extra. It's something extra, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about here when I talk about there's a difference in tithe and offering. I believe that generosity actually comes with the over and above. I believe the tithe is the expectation of followers of Jesus Christ. And if we can't start with that, we can't give that today, then we begin to work our financial system and our plan to get to the place where we honor God with the tenth and we do what he's asked us to do. And once we go above that... We cross over into generosity. We begin to give towards missions and other needs and other efforts. And we sit in a service or we sit in a moment or we see a commercial or we do where there's a need in our community that meet, it just grabs a hold of our heartstrings. And we give to that need and that's a moment of generosity because we've said, God, we're honoring you with the tenth. And now we're giving over and above. We've crossed over from 10% now to 11% or 12% or 13% as we give to these other needs and honor you in the ways that are over and above what you've called us to do. Because what I believe is that generosity follows responsibility. Generosity follows. I have a responsibility to honor God through the tithe and test God and watch his blessings flow in my life. And then after responsibility comes generosity. That's what I believe. That's what we're attempting to live our lives and what we're trying to found our lives on. Because if we aren't willing to fulfill what God calls the responsibility part of our finances, which is tithing to the local church, then we can't expect the full blessing of God on our lives when it comes to the principle of generosity. I am more convinced than ever that generosity following the tithe is the place where God shows up and does miraculous things. That's what the story last week was about. As we step into generosity, as we step into a place where we can respond to the needs, as God lays them on our hearts, God's like, okay, yeah, I, I see that you don't withhold anything from me. And I could tell you story after story after story of people that have trusted God in this way by honoring God first and then being generous over and above. And God has poured out miraculous blessings in their lives. And so, okay, wh where do we go from here today? Well, what we're going to do in just a few minutes, not yet, but in just a few minutes, our hosts are going to come around and they're going to give you this card. It says, put God first. And there's the Malachi chapter 3 verse that I just read a few minutes ago. And on the back of this card, it talks about, I'm choosing to trust God in my finances. And then you have the opportunity to take what we're calling the 90-day tithe challenge. Scripture says, test God. 
And so we want you to be able to test God and feel like it's, it's a safe place for you to do that. You say, well, I don't know. I'm not sure that I believe in that. I'm not sure that's the right thing to do. Maybe not. But we want to make it as easy as possible for you to trust God in the area of finance. So here's what we're going to do with the 90-day tithe challenge. You're going to check a box to say, I commit to begin tithing on a regular basis to Canton Church. Or you're going to check the box that says, I commit to continue tithing on a regular basis to Canton Church. You'll fill out the demographic information. And then right here on the bottom, we've made a guarantee. If at the end of these 90 days, as you put trust in God in the area of finances and, and beginning or continuing to tithe, if you say to us, I tried it, I tested God, and it just didn't work for me. No questions asked. You just say, it didn't work for me. I, I tried. It just wasn't right for me. This 90 days, I didn't see God hold up to his end of the bargain. I didn't see his blessings in my life. Whatever that looks like for you, we're not going to add you to a list. We're not going to shame you. We're not going to kick you out of the church. We're going to write you a check for every penny that you give during the 90-day tithe challenge. We're going to give it right back to you. No questions asked. I promise. I, I won't be mad at you. No guilt, no shame, no nothing. You say, I tried. I, I, I tested God. I didn't see it work. I didn't see the blessings of God. I'm not talking about you're going to win the lottery. But if you do, you need to tithe. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying you're going to get a free cruise vacation, right? But I'm saying God's blessings, I believe, will be poured out on your life to meet the needs of your life. And I believe you will experience joy like never before. I think for those that are in the bondage of debt, you're going to find freedom that you never thought possible. As you begin to honor God, and you say, well, I can't even start at 10%. There's no way. I'm at 0% right now. Start at 1%. You make $50,000 a year. You can't get $5,000 a year, which is broken down to about $100 a week. Then start with $500 a year. Give about $10 a week. If you're at 1%, go to 2 go to 3 go to 4 Just step yourself up to giving a percentage of your income. And try to grow that and increase that as God provides. And as you make those decisions to get to the place where you can do it. We're going to give you a money-back guarantee on your ties for the next 90 days. Because I believe in this principle. Now just for a minute, let me speak briefly to those of you that are already tithing. You say, man, I've listened to you. We already do this. We've seen the blessings of God. We do it because we believe God's word says it. We're in. We've got it. Let me just talk to you for just a second. And hear my heart. Because I told you all series long, this is not a hard sell towards some bait and switch. Oh, but look over here. There's a rabbit in a hat. That's not, that's not what this is, okay? But if you are already trusting God with the tithe, I believe that you have this incredible gift. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 6, says this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. It is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We talk about the idea here that we exist because generations matter. And what that looks like for us on a practical level is that we have been entrusted to leave a legacy. We've been entrusted to leave a legacy for those who would come after us. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is the verse in the chapter that we draw all of this idea of because generations matter. It says that this story of faith, the law, what's been entrusted to you is for you, your children, and your children's children. And so we have the opportunity to leave a legacy. And so you're going to get an invitation from me in a couple of weeks for a brand new ministry team we're calling Legacy Makers. It's for those who already honor God with the tithe, those who already give very faithfully and consistently. There are some dreams in my heart for what I believe God wants to do in and through Canton Church in 2019 financially. 
some dreams locally and globally. Some of these dreams are investing in sons and daughters, things around the world that we've not yet been able to do, coming alongside those of several generations to address needs in our own community, to enrich the experience here, and for those who can't be here. The possibilities are literally endless. In my head and in my heart right now, can I just tell you, I'll I'll let you in on a secret. I've got about $6 million worth of vision in my head. It grows every day. Every day. We're not going to try to tackle all $6 million in 2019 unless somebody wins the lottery. All right? But we're going to take a portion of that, and we're going to say in 2019, God, with your help, as we trust you over and above, we're going to be legacy makers. We're going to change the trajectory of some of the people in our community and around the world, and we're going to be legacy makers because generations matter. Generations matter. We're going to be legacy makers. So just be looking for that invitation. Be in prayer about it because I believe God wants to do amazing things in and through Canton Church in this next year. Now you'd say, okay, where do we go from here? All of us today. We all have a choice. We all have a choice. Do I trust God with my finances? Do I trust God? Do I want to see the fullness of God's blessing in my life? Do I trust Him enough to tithe? Do I trust Him enough? And do I have a plan for generosity over and above? Do I trust God? I'm going to ask our host to get prepared now. And they're going to come in just a second, and they're going to hand you this card. They're going to hand you this card, and I just want you to hold it. I want you to read it if you need to. The band's going to come back in just a second. They're going to lead us in a song as we sit and we reflect personally. We ask God, God, would you have me to participate in this 90-day challenge? You tell me to test you. You tell me to test you. God, I, I think I want to test you in these 90 days. And if that's you, we want you to fill out this card and turn it into us. If you're not prepared to do it today, you can go on our website. The website's down on the bottom left, and you can fill out the form there. The only reason we want to do it is we want to be able to track what you give during these 90 days so that if you come to us and say, hey, I, 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 think, I think it's not been working. I, I, need, I need the money back. We know how, to, how much to give back to you. So we're just going to track it from the moment you turn out this, fill out this form or you fill out the form online. So you're going to hold it in a second. Once you're prepared, you guys come onto the front and begin handing this out. You don't have to wait on me. Go ahead and come to the front. But maybe today beyond the card, you would say, hey, I I need to trust God in a larger way. I need to trust him with my heart and my soul. I I need to ask him to forgive my sins. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Maybe you would join the long line of people in this room who have fallen short of the glory of God, according to Romans. You wouldn't be the only one. We're all imperfect. So you would say, hey, I want to ask him to forgive my sins and lead and guide my life from this moment forward. In just a second, we're going to give you the opportunity to pray and respond to that need. Or maybe you would say today, you know what, beyond tithes, beyond, I just need God to show up in my finances. I just need God to do a work. I need him to reveal himself in the area of finances in my life. I'm going to give you a chance to fill out that card in just a minute so you can just hold it. You say, maybe I need to trust God in the area of finance. I need to trust him with my heart, whatever that looks like for you. I'm going to ask you to do this right where you're at. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'll give you a chance to fill out the card in just a second. Nobody looking around. If you would say, Jeremy, for me, I know that the first step I need to take in trusting God is to trust him with my salvation. 
I need to trust him with my heart to forgive my sins and lead my life to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Now, if you would say, Jeremy, for me, it's not a salvation issue, but I need to trust God in my finances and I need God to do a work in my finances. Maybe that's getting you out of debt. Maybe that's helping you make hard decisions. Maybe it's trusting God in various ways. But if you say, I want you to pray for me today in the area of finances, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. God, we love you. God, I love you. I thank you for moments like these. God, where we can just slow down. We can just rest in who you are. We can reflect on who you are and your goodness towards us. God, I pray right now for every hand that was uplifted today, every person that acknowledged their need for you to be Lord and Savior of their life. We don't rush past this moment. It's not just something that we offer every week, and so we lose the sacredness of this moment. There are people that lifted their hands today to acknowledge their need for you to forgive their sins and to lead their lives for eternity. God, thank you that you do that. Thank you for the cross of Jesus that provides for our salvation. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers our sins. God, thank you for that. And God, today I pray for every person that lifted their hands because they need you to show up in their finances. They need you to do a work in their finances, God. And I'm asking you to make yourself known like never before. God, as they trust you, as they test you, would they see you show up and honor your promises and honor your promise for blessing. God, you're not a genie in a bottle. It's not that you give us all of our wishes and all of our wants, but God, would you meet their needs and would they recognize that you are their provider today? God, do a work today, I pray, so that they would have to acknowledge that you are Lord of all and you own it all. God, do a work right now. Every hand that was lifted in this room today, every hand that was lifted, they took the, they had the courage to lift their hands and say, God, I need you to do something. I'm beyond my ability to meet this need. God, would you show up for them today? Show up in their finances today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.